Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. Back with another episode, which is the same thing I say every single time. I can't seem to, to, to change that. Maggie, are we doing okay? We're doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Good. I'm good. I had an in-person meeting earlier, and it was just very refreshing. I was very productive and kept track of my time. Do you know why you were productive? Let's just be honest. Because she weren't Because I wasn't here. <laughs> We're working on that. Maggie and I are going to have a collective goal for our next firm's fiscal year end about time blocking. If anybody has tips or tricks for that. Oh, yeah. Time blocking. Um, I'm going to order a book. I forgot the name of it already. Oh, you sent it to me. Hold on. We're going to look it up really quick. No. It is... It's called The One Thing. You've heard of this. Lainey has heard of this. Okay. So I have not read it, but I am in this um, roundtable, and we weren't even really talking about time management. Somebody, I think, asked a question, and so this was suggested, and I thought, oh, Maggie and I were just having, this is a sign, because we were just having this conversation yesterday, and just to fill everybody in on me and Maggie's day yesterday, um, this is a very, very, very good thing, and we are aware of this, but we have had a lot of new prospect or new potential client activity Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of work that goes into that and a lot of conversations which is where truthfully Maggie and I I feel like we thrive Mm -hmm. um but man they all started to get like (laughs) meshed in our head and before we knew it yesterday it was 5 30 and we still had all this other stuff to do so um the book is called the one thing the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results by Gary Keller So I have no feedback on it whatsoever, but I really do like to read a professional type book or maybe Mm self-help, self-help, yeah, and a kind of a fun book. So um, I might order that one. But speaking of books, all right, so we're on week two since we have announced the book club book for Louisiana ladies. Mm -hmm. And I just want to let everyone know I've gotten some feedback on the book. I have started the book. And I, Lainey, have you read it? Are you going to read it, Lainey? Did you vote no? I thought you voted yes. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Yes, I am, Lainey. She likes to hide in the background. I do. Okay, so the book, which is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, is a little bit of a slower start to it. And I'm not going to give this away, but it's going from different times, right? You can tell that within the first two pages, So in the 1700s and back to the 2000s. And so you do kind of have to get a feel, I feel like, for what's going on. Um, But my friend Allison, hey, Allison, she finished it. She's like super fast reader. 
reads more than I do, which is pretty impressive because I read a lot. Um, And she said, you know, it started slow, but then it started to pick up. And she goes, but she said, I really keep thinking about that book. She's like, but my instinct is like, yeah, I liked it okay, but I've liked other books better. But yet I keep thinking, like, there's something about that book that just kind of made me think. Hmm. So there you go. That's our teaser. I don't know. I'm on page 75. Like in a thought-provoking way? Yeah, like maybe like, hmm, that was a really good book now that I think about it. It might not have been a page-turner, but I think it's a well-written book. Like I've said before, I wholly rely on Goodreads and their ratings because I do find that anything that gets over four stars is typically... The people that rate on Goodreads know good literature. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say I know what good writing really is. I'm looking to be entertained. Yeah. You know, um, there was a a friend of mine that I knew from Orange Theory. She read three books a week. And she was really, like, she would talk to me about, I know, how, she was an attorney too. If a book was well written or what it was missing or whenever the, you know. Cliffhanger. Yes, all those terms. Yeah. Climax. Yes, and- all of that stuff, which is normally kind of towards the end of the book. You know, I think it'd be at the middle. But anyway, yeah. so um, keep going. We are not going to do a book for May. May is a hectic month and for, I think, everybody. And since we didn't announce this till April 12th, we want to give everybody time to read it. So I'm thinking we'll do the next book in June. Sound like a plan? That sounds good. Okay. If anybody has suggestions for the book, DM us. Uh, maybe we'll do a poll. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so I have gotten back from the beach trip, and it was wonderful because the beach in April, I feel like, is the best time to go to the beach other than the water's a little cold. Yeah, but, but there it's were not people too so, hot. No. Yeah. We kind of got chilly. That's nice. We got chilly. Especially if you're not like a big ocean swimmer. Like, that. that's the best time to just sit on the sand. I mean, like, you never, you weren't sweating mm-hmm. at all. You were not sweating at all. So we had great weather with the exception of, you know, we went on a Monday through a Friday. That Thursday morning we woke up and it was raining pretty good. And we kind of thought it would just, we knew, we looked at the radar, so we knew it was going to get out of there. And so in our brain, we're like, oh, it's going to be overcast the rest of the day. I wore like a long sleeve, you know, uh, workout shirt down to the beach. Mm -mm, It was not overcast. It cleared up. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Not a cloud in the sky. I had to go up and change and like put on an actual bathing suit because it was the warmest day. But then we go to leave on Friday and we do wake up to a legitimate. The weather are crazy. Major huh? thunderstorm on Friday morning in Destin. Okay. So this is kind of funny-ish. <laughs> so when we go with the Toritos, all of us are in one condo and it takes us forever to pack up all of our stuff you know you got the groceries you got the beach towels and you know we're all kind of helping each other well this was just me Patrick my mom and dad in this condo and my sister and her family stayed in another condo because that's a family condo and so I think Patrick got out of bed at 8 15 and we probably could have left at like 8 45 wow <laughs> like we just we didn't have a lot Y'all of didn't groceries bring anything. it was just us we didn't have any kids and so, but at 8.45, that's when the weather got really, really bad. Did y'all just eat out every night? So, my mom had made a brisket and brought that. And then we ate on that. And my sister had done a lasagna or bought a lasagna from Bergeron's, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And then we ordered pizza one night. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, so, it's like, I mean, it's just a torrential downpour. And so, we sit 
And I'm not the most patient of person. Like, I'm kind of ready to get on the road. But I'm looking out, and I'm like, this looks really bad. I mean, it's windy. It's like a mini hurricane. Yeah. Lightning. Thunder that's making you jump. So we kind of get restless about 45 minutes later. And by that point, my parents had already gone down and put their stuff in the car. And they were going to help me and Patrick. Well, I'm starting to get, like, weather doesn't really freak me out. But we're on the 12th floor of this condo, and we walk out, and Patrick and my dad have the cart, and they're about to get on the elevator, and the light, like, lightning flashes, thunder claps, and the lights dim in the condo. And I was like, no, no, y'all are not getting on that elevator. I don't know if this place has a generator. I don't know if that elevator has backup power. So we all went back into the condo for about 20 minutes, and by that point, it was basically a drizzle. And I told them when we got down, I was like, even if we would have made it down here, the wind was so bad, we would have all gotten soaked. Like, our car was under, like, well, our car wasn't. Patrick had to go get our car from the parking lot. So, anyway, so we come home. Traffic's not bad on the way home. We get home Friday, and I wake up Friday night at 4 (laughs) a.m. to my power going out in my house from that thunderstorm. And my first thought, it was so annoying. Well, I had two thoughts, Maggie. <laughs> First thought, what am I going to do with all the food in the refrigerator? Because it says that your refrigerator, and I want to know if this is true, um, listeners, that your refrigerator food will only last for four hours. That's not true. Absolutely not. That's I mean, not and like, so don't open it. You just have to keep it closed and it'll stay good for a while. Okay. So, I mean, I'm like, so I can't go back to sleep, right? I just... I slept okay on the beach, but, like, it wasn't our bed, and I was really excited to be back in my bed. So I didn't really go back to sleep after that, thinking, okay, now I need to text my sister and tell her I need your refrigerator, or just to see if she even has power. Mm-hmm. Well, she did have power. You know, let me just tell y'all, the beauty about being on a dead-end street is the pro. Super quiet. The con. When you lose power, you're the lone man on the totem pole. You're the only line. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> if you're the only line, you know, so... So anyway, so we get up, we go to my sister's, and, and I spent, so my other thought at 5 o'clock in the morning or when I woke up was, oh my God, I had literally come home on Friday and organized my list of work things to do, and I was so, this might be my proud of myself moment. I organized my list into personal, client, management, and business development. Like, I actually took the time to do that so that I could organize what's billable and what's non-billable and do those in chunks of time. Which is kind of weird. But I could do that on a Saturday because nobody's around, right? Right. So I was just going to do that from home. So my second thought was, I have so much work to do. So much work to do. So my sister was very um, graciously allowed me to use her office, which is her closet (laughs) office, for a couple of hours on Saturday. And then we went to Patrick's parents because they were at the river and our power ended up coming back on at 3 p.m. on Sunday. So I did not have power. There was no meal prepping going on. Some of the food had to be thrown away. But you know what? There's worse things, right? Does it make you want to get an um, all-home generator? Oh, no. We're totally doing that. You're doing Because I know we had talked about it at one point. It wouldn't... It wouldn't um, there was something with... I'm going to sound really stupid. Patrick's going to be like, why are you talking about this? Well, I called it an all-home generator. I'm sure that's not <laughs> It's natural what, gas. What it's a natural called. gas generator. <laughs> there was something with our property line, and maybe the generator has to be so far off of the house, like where the, the only place they could put it was literally smack dab in our backyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at our old house. So we need to look at it for the new house. And speaking of old house, we closed on it yesterday. 
Did you get emotional? So I'll tell you when I got emotional. <laughs> we, and this is so stupid because I didn't give the house to the buyer, right? He actually purchased the house for me, but I feel like it's his first home. I don't know. That's just really cool. Like we fixed it up, you know, and, and he doesn't know all of those details, but um, he was a really nice guy, young guy. I kept trying to, I was like, oh, so this is this and this about the house or, you know, you need to make sure that you like all the little intricacies of my house, almost like I'm like leaving my kids for daycare or something like that. And he was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I just had to drive by there because I was downtown and I needed to come back to the office. And that's the easy, that cut through is kind of easy. So I was like, well, I'll drive by. And he's already there getting the internet installed. Well, it's just stalking her, her house. <laughs> I mean, it is close. <laughs> So anyway, I called Patrick and I was like, he's already there. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure he doesn't know I have a podcast, but if he does, (laughs) thanks for buying our house, buddy. I hope that you, um, you love it. So, um, really quick though about the beach and my, I'm going to do two shout outs today if that's okay. Yeah. Shout outs. So my first shout out is actually going to be to my nephews on my sister's kids, because guess what today is? Their birthday. It's their birthday. Yeah. They share a birthday. They are three, exactly three years apart. When I was, when Major was born, it was right at the beginning of my career here, and April 13th was still a pretty busy day. <laughs> and then Megan had the other one three years later. Yeah, here we are again. <laughs> so anyway, so happy birthday, boys. We had a really good time with you guys at the beach, and I love y'all to pieces. And then my second shout out, I was thinking about this, is my mom. So we shouted out to our dads. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure your mom has helped take care of your dad. Mm -hmm. Right? And so my mom's done the same, you know, the same thing. Um, But no, when we were at the beach with my mom, it just kind of made me think about a few things. Like my mom's the most, I don't know if maternal is the best way to put it. Like a caretaker? A caretaker. Mm -hmm. So, like, she's the person that if you're sick, you want her to take care of you. Mm -hmm. You know, she just makes you feel better. Um, My dad said my mom is not. She's not? (laughs) He was giving her a hard time about her caretaking Well, maybe she is to me. I don't know. She might not be. (laughs) My dad might disagree. I don't know. But my dad said that my mom's been very helpful with the... He did say that she's been his rock. And I thought that was really cute. Um... But, you know, moms also know very random information. So I called her on Sunday and I'm like, hey, so I haven't opened my freezer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Power is oh, yeah. out, mom. <laughs> what should I do with the food? And she's like, okay, well, if it's thawed out but still cold, you can probably just cook it. Like if it's a lasagna, you can just cook it and y'all can eat that, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and then there's this other quality about my mom. I kid you not, the woman is a baby whisperer. Your child can be having, could be two weeks old and having colic if they have it that young but I'm screaming its head off that does not fluster my mom she doesn't get overwhelmed by that she just takes the baby into her arms and they just I've seen this happen first-hand experience they just are soothed they're soothed yeah she's very soothing and then the other the last thing is my mom and I have you seen you've met my mom right Maggie mm-hmm. don't you think we look alike a little bit yeah oh, no, absolutely we do. definitely resemble each other mm-hmm. like we we totally resemble each other so anyway so there's the shout outs um do you have one Maggie do we want to shout out to your mom? Yeah. <laughs> Maggie's mom? Well, I had a little realization with my mom because you say you, you pick up the phone and call her when you need something. And, like, I want to be better about communicating with my mom more. Like, my sister calls and talks to my mom every day. 
And like sometimes I just I go like days and days without talking to my mom. Like, and then we had a friend that lost their mom to cancer, mm-hmm. and it's just it puts it into perspective for you. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I don't ha- I don't have. Look, I'm getting emotional, but yeah, you know you you gotta love your moms when you got them. Yeah, and take advantage of being able to call them. Because, yeah, you know you never know. We'll never know. Tomorrow is not tomorrow is not guaranteed, you know. And so, and I do I do think about you know our uh, podcast guest Jessica when she was on, you know, and that mm-hmm. that's I mean Jessica, what she say? She was twenty two, I think, when her mom passed away. You know, I can't so really imagine. Um, so yeah, so shout out to our moms and um, just tell your people you love them. Just tell them that you love them. Just tell them that you love them. Okay, so word of the episode. Word of the episode. Word up. Is lollygag. Ironically, <laughs> ironically, brought to you by also my mom. <laughs> I couldn't wait till Mother's Day to do this episode and do the shout outs to the mom. But we were at the beach and mom said, No, she said that lo- she thought lollygag was one of the word of the episodes and it was highfalutin, I think. Uh, and I was like, No, but that's a great word, mom. Yeah. So, Maggie, what's the definition of lollygag? Lollygag, spend time aimlessly, idle, dawdle. Which is another instance where they put a word that you don't you need the definition to in the definition. Doddle, I guess that's just like you know. Yeah. So um, anyway, thanks, mom. I feel like my brother-in-law's name should be right there. He's like the king of lollygagging. Uh, you know who's a lollygagger? <laughs> Major Shram, my nephew. Uh, yeah. Just sorry, Megan. He is. He's on a different clock. He's on a different clock. So is her husband. But you gotta love him for it. You know, mm-hmm. just. It's kind of remember how Jessica said that Ethan, her son, was like the absent-minded professor. That's how Major reminds me of that, <laughs> and I, that, there's something so innocent and sweet about that. So, anyway, so we are now going to talk to our guest, who is Chip Klein. So another Louisiana lad. And we're really excited to be talking uh, to him. Chip is actually the director of office of the Governor Coastal Activities. So we're going to hear what's that like, Mm -hmm. because I can't imagine what that's like, and to get some insight from him and have a conversation. Yeah. All right, guys. So now we have our fourth Louisiana lad, Mr. Chip Klein. Say hey, Chip. Hello, everybody. Really excited to have him here. And so just if anybody hasn't connected the dots, Chip Klein is married to Emily Klein, who um, I constantly give shout outs to Emily and her and I have become friends and reconnected over the podcast. And she's the one who totally recommended Chip to be on. That is my ultimate claim to fame here. You know, usually at whatever point in life you are, you can either be your... You know, you're the daddy to your children, but I am my ultimate is always, I am Emily Klein's husband. So, <laughs> that's how everybody knows me around here. So. Well, we are very excited to have you and um, looking forward to kind of hearing what you do. Um, us ladies are intrigued by it. So first, you're not from Baton Rouge. I am not. I actually okay. grew up in the small town of Clinton, Louisiana. Okay. Which is about 30 miles north of here. Yep. Um, East Feliciana Paris, the rolling hills of the Felicianas. Gotcha. Had about 52 people in my graduating class from Silliman. Okay. Um, and so, you know, speaking of Emily, who graduated from St. Joseph's Academy right. and has like close to 300 people in her graduating class, was a little bit of a, a culture shock coming from Clinton um, to Baton Rouge. But um, 
it's a, it's a big small town here in Baton Rouge. Yes. And we, we love raising our family here. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you graduated. Actually, there's a lady that works in our office, Janet Brown. Mm-hmm. She's in Clinton, right? Y'all don't know. Good yeah, grief. Yeah. Anyway, she drives in <laughs> she every drives day. She drives from Clinton every day. Oh, Lord, here we go with the severe weather again. I, I have I've made that commute for a couple of years. We really? Live, obviously live in Baton Rouge now, but when Emily and I moved back from D.C., which we'll get into a little later, but um, that is not a pleasant commute. Plank Road straight into Baton Rouge every day is is brutal. Yeah. So I, kudos to Janet for <laughs> Janet's making, been I doing mean, she it is for a dedicated Falcon Wickler. Yes. Uh, I mean, wait, can I tell for you? like 10 years or so. Maybe. I don't. I don't remember if she was here before me. At least 10 years. Okay. That's intense. So, um, all right. So I'm a, you went to LSU after you graduated. So you came to Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. went to LSU. What did you graduate in there? I actually graduated in political science. I had every intention of going to law school. Oh. Um, and so going from Clinton to Baton Rouge was a little bit of a transition, uh, a little bit of a culture shock. So it took me a little while to get serious about about school. Oh, did you visit Tigerland a lot, uh, Yes, I was a frequent of bogeys. <laughs> um, may have been in bogeys last weekend for a 50th birthday party for a friend, Tommy Mann. So, oh. uh, I don't know if any of you know Tommy and Leslie Mann, but um, he had a 50th surprise birthday party. And I'm like, great, I love a surprise birthday party. Where is it? And they're like, bogeys. I'm like, I am so in. Like, I'm, I'm so surprised in. they let y'all do that. It was. It was. Well, it was. Social distance, of yeah. course. It was outside on the patio. Oh, no. Bridges. I just meant because I thought that, you know, once you reach a certain age, you can't go to Tigerland. Well, like, you're too old. I, I think one of Tommy's best friends owns Bogey, okay. so, you know. You got, got the inside. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Right. Okay. So, went to LSU, partied a little bit. I just, yes. I mean, you know, LSU constantly got chosen as, like, number one party school. I mean, so we, we've always had that. So I think that's just nature of the beast. So you graduated in political science. Graduated in political science. Had every intention of going to law school, but then... I think, in, in my mind, an, an opportunity of a lifetime came open for both Emily and me was a job opportunity on Capitol Hill okay, in Washington, D.C. So we graduated from LSU. Emily actually graduated a semester earlier than I did. Uh, I was still playing catch-up. Okay. Um, it was quite the, <laughs> the major changer. Uh, me too. Uh, five. All of us are majors. Throughout LSU. Um, but when we finished, we, we both moved up to D.C., um, had an opportunity. I worked for a U.S. senator uh, from Texas, Kay okay. Bailey Hutchison. Okay. And then Emily worked for Congressman Richard Baker. Okay. Uh, were you guys together at this time? Y'all had started so dating? We were, we were dating when we moved up there. Okay. Uh, and then we got engaged um, back here in Baton Rouge at Our Lady of Mercy in the prayer garden. Emily's a big mercy girl. Yep. The whole May family is from a big mercy family. So we got engaged on Good Friday of 2004. Okay. Um, and then actually got married back here in Baton Rouge, but we were living in, in D.C. So okay. we were back and forth a lot. Okay. Okay. So how long were y'all in D.C.? From 2003 to 2007. Okay. And then you guys decided to move and back we, here? We moved back. We actually moved from Washington, D.C. If you thought it was a transition from Clinton to Baton Rouge, <laughs> going from D.C. to Clinton... Was even more of a transition. Right there. Oh, so y'all went from DC to Clinton. <laughs> we did. We lived. You in a convinced little... Emily to move I to did. Clinton. It was enticing because my grandfather had a little rental house that was open, and so we were, you know, were able to live there free of rent for as long as we wanted. So we were able to kind of do our, our thing in DC, get the experience, and then move back, kind of get our feet on the ground. But then that's when we started the commute from from Clinton to Baton Rouge every day. Okay. And then we took from so we were up there for. From 03 to 07. Okay. Great experience. But we were up there during Hurricane Katrina. 
and that was really an eye-opening experience for me um, in the line of work that I was in. I always had an interest in public service and politics uh, and just the government, legislative process, the functions of government. And for me to be in Washington, D.C. in 2005 when Katrina and Rita hit and watching that from the nation's capital, watching the national media of what was going on in my home state was obviously gut-wrenching, but it was also eye-opening, but it also made me realize what I wanted to do Mm. and the issue that I wanted to focus on um, in the coming years. Okay. And so it kind of drove, that experience really drove to where I am um, right now in my position in the governor's office. Okay. So when you, actually, do you know Kelly Bondi Troutman? I do. Not well. Okay. So she had mentioned Emily, and I think Mm -hmm. you guys were all maybe on the hill yeah. together. But she brought up, I thought she good, brought up Hurricane... Good slang, good lingo there. On the hill. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought she brought up something about Katrina too because I kind of asked her, you know, because to me, when people say, well, I worked on the hill or I went to... Cal-, I'm like, what are you so doing Did you make there? coffee for people? Like, well, so, well now that's a story there. So my first job when I got to D.C. was actually a special assistant to Senator Tay Bailey Hutchison. So I was like her personal aide. Anywhere she went, I went with her. And many times I found myself holding this woman's purse. Um, so, yes, we had to make coffee in the morning. We had to, like, fully staff her, anything that she needed. Uh, but then that morphed into a policy position within her office. So, another stupid question. Yep. So, how did you even get that position with her? So, this is a this is a, a great story uh, that I tell a lot of young guys that are in the scouting program. And so... Emily had done an internship in Congressman Baker's office the previous summer. So she kind of had an in with, with that office. Okay. And she did such a great job during an internship that she was offered a, a full-time position. I had just gone up there and I was like, I'm just going to have to hit Capitol Hill with resumes. So I literally went to every office and dropped off a resume. Oh, wow. And so I dropped my resume off in Senator Hutchison's office. And she just happened to be in the office just adjacent to her. Every senator's office has like a... a, a a front office. It's kind of a reception area mm-hmm. where people can just get coffee, where constituents can go and just, you know, talk to whoever. Mm-hmm. Well, the senator just happened to be off of that main office, and she came out and she introduced herself to me. And she's like, well, wait, you're from Baton Rouge? You're from, you know, Louisiana, but you want to work in this office? I said, yeah. So we just struck up this conversation, and she noticed that I was an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. And so I started having a conversation with this sitting senator just walking into her office for three to four minutes. And what are you, like 24 years old? Probably 23, 24. Okay. Yes. I would have been yeah. really, I would have been I really mean, intimidated. Was, and I had seen Senator Hutchison, you know, on national media outlets and things like that. And I'm right. like, I cannot believe this is happening. So anyway, I go through the interview process. I met with her, but with her chief of staff. And the first day on the job, I had gone to dinner with her. And she says, you're probably wondering why. I hired someone from Louisiana to work in a Texas senator's that, office. That's and she said, thinking. you are an Eagle Scout. And so I tell all these scouts, young scouts that are going through the scouting programs, like, don't take for granted this experience. And don't, you know, ever underestimate you reaching the rank of Eagle Scout and what that can do for you. And so that's just wow. a, a really a neat story. Yeah, wow, that's great. I, there were many times throughout scouting, I'm like, this is just... 
or the birds. Like, I'm tired. This is just too much work to get through all of these different ranks, whatever, but it paid off. And, and set you it's, apart from yeah, other people. Yeah, so. yeah. I think our title should be From Eagle Scout to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Eagle Scout to Coastal Chief. How about that? I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Okay. So y'all did that and you had that experience. You came back. Y'all were living in Clinton for a little while mm-hmm. and you came back to do the position that you're in now? So we moved back right when Governor Bobby Jindal was elected. Okay. So I worked um, in D.C. with Congressman, now Congressman Garrett Graves. Okay. He was a congressional mm-hmm. staffer in mm-hmm. D.C. at the same time. And then so then Garrett moved back to work uh, under Governor Jindal. Okay in the position that I'm in now under Governor Edwards. And so Garrett actually hired me as a policy advisor in his office in the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority to advise him and the governor on coastal restoration and hurricane protection issues. Uh, And so then Garrett left, ran for Congress, uh, where we are very fortunate to have him representing us uh, in, in that capacity. And then I assumed his position um, as chairman of the CPRE board and as executive assistant to the governor for coastal activities. Okay. So what exactly, I mean, I feel like I should know what coastal activities <laughs> are, but like really what I want to know, Chip, is what's a day, like, what is a day like for you? I feel you, like... You sound so much like Emily Klein, <laughs> it, is, it is not even funny. Like, Just like, you know, you're doing a podcast here, you're like on TV sometimes, like what I mean, at our like? dinner table, she's like, I feel like I should know about coastal activities, and I just don't, like, I just don't know what you do, like... <laughs> Tell me more. So let me tell you, and if Emily is listening to this, I will... <laughs> a uh, refresher. Maybe it will help her. So it all really goes back to Hurricane Katrina because that was the game changer for the state of Louisiana. So prior to Hurricane Katrina, you had the issue of hurricane protection, protecting people, businesses, livelihoods from the devastation caused by hurricanes in one agency. Okay. And you had the issue of coastal restoration, in a house in another agency. So when we're talking about coastal restoration, we're talking about restoring our state from the devastation of land loss. When we talk about land loss, we're talking about the fact since the 1930s, the state of Louisiana has lost 2,000 square miles of land. That's the equivalent to the size of the state of Delaware. And so a lot of people don't wow. appreciate the fact that coastal restoration yeah, and hurricane protection are one and the same. Okay. So we're talking about hurricane protection. We're talking about building these massive hurricane protection systems, levees, floodgates, pump station, surge barriers. Uh, so when you listen to the National Weather Service talking about where well, you're going to have a 17-foot storm surge coming from Hurricane Laura or Delta, similar to what we heard from Southwest, those are the type of structures that we're operating within the Coastal Protection Restoration to keep water out of people's homes and businesses. So prior to Katrina, hurricane protection was in the Department of Transportation and Development. Coastal Restoration was in DNR, the Department of Natural Resources. What Congress said was, if we're going to invest billions and billions of dollars in the recovery of Louisiana, then you need to get your act together. The state of Louisiana needs to go through a massive restructuring of state government on how it approaches uh, hurricane protection and coastal restoration. So they formed one single state entity, which integrated coastal restoration and hurricane protection under one agency. Okay. And so we are responsible for our, our main mission is we implement and oversee a coastal master plan. It's a 50-year, $50 billion plan. 50, 50 years? Billion. Yes, 50 years, 50, 50 billion, billion with a B. Um, and so you're talking about major, major infrastructure projects uh, that are going to be implemented. And I think when people hear 
us talk about coastal restoration, they automatically think, well, that's a conservation type issue. That's about wildlife and fisheries habitat and, you know, things like that, environmental Mm -hmm. stuff. And it is that, but it is so much more than that. Because when you, the fact that you've got 2,000 square miles of land that has just disappeared, that is gone, all of your economic infrastructure assets are at risk. All of our businesses are at risk. All of our homes are at more risk because the water has no buffer. It's, it's literally lapping up against our levees. And so what people here in Baton Rouge, what people in the state of Louisiana, what people across the Gulf don't realize is that when you look at South Louisiana, particularly coastal Louisiana, 18 to 20% of our nation's oil and gas comes from South Louisiana. 90% of the nation's grain flows up and down the Mississippi River. Our commercial, our recreational fisheries are ranked one to two nationally. Port Fouchon itself services 90% of the deep water oil and gas exploration in the Gulf of Mexico. Like this is an area of our country that matters. Yep. Not just from a, a sportsman's paradise or a recreational standpoint, but or like tiger we land. or Tigerland or bogies. <laughs> but like it can be it can be said that South Louisiana literally feeds and fuels this country. Uh, and that's why this issue is so much bigger than a conservation type issue. Uh, it's about preserving a special place. It's about preserving our home. It's about preserving a unique cultural heritage. But it's also about preserving and protecting, you know, an economic um, vitality engine, if you will, for the entire country. Wow. What an explanation. Chef, you are just so smart. I feel like I know so much more now. I feel like I need to read a book. Like, I need to educate myself. So, one thing is, I can tell that you're very passionate about this. You know? I am. I am. Because you've been doing it for a while, and I feel like... into. I feel like yeah. I have a newfound appreciation for the state that I live in just by hearing that. So, again, I don't want to, I hope people don't judge me and think I'm a moron, but you know, with the oil and gas, I hear about that. And you know, you know, I think everybody mm-hmm. knows that that's a big part of our state, but we don't really know the extent of it. Like, I don't, I didn't know Numbers. some of the facts, yeah. you know, or what would happen in, ter- in terms of that. And we're also aware of levees. And when the, I think they might have failed for Katrina, right. you know, and that that was infrastructure that needed mm-hmm. to be fixed. But the day to day, you know, I feel like, again, and this kind of, we could have said the same thing when COVID hit. You know, it's like, okay, we'll just come out with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> you know, and so it's probably like, same thing. It's like, well, Chip, just figure out how to just make this it. work, right? Well, look, I, I'm, I'm, that is certainly not lost on me because I think that is the mindset of the, the overwhelming majority of, of the general public. And when you... When you look at, why don't we just build levees? Why don't we just build these? First of all, we're talking a $50 billion plan. Yeah, which is, which over is 50 over years. Over 50 years, which is incredibly expensive and, and long-term. Um, but I don't want to get too weedy here, but there is so much regulatory reform that is needed in this country. So we're not talking about projects that are going to harm the environment or do damage to the environment. We're talking about projects that are going to restore the environment, sustain the environment, protect people, protect livelihoods. And just to give you an example of one of the projects we're building, we were told it's going to take 10 years, 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years to get a permit to build a restoration project. And we're like, we in Louisiana don't have that that luxury of waiting 10 years to restore our our coast. so that's a whole nother subject, but it's 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 crazy that we have to go through all of these regulatory regimes and permitting obstacles to get these critical type projects. 
implemented. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that even I think like, okay, well, let's just snap our fingers and get it done. But Maggie and I and our team here, so we do retirement plan compliance and we have to explain to clients, it mm-hmm. s- stuff doesn't just happen overnight, right. you know, and we're a highly regulated no, it doesn't, doesn't take 10 years. If it did, we wouldn't have a big client. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get back to you in 10 years. Maggie will be in her 30s by that point. But, but, but I mean, it's kind of the same concept to an extent. So you would think we would have a little bit more patience, you know, and understanding when it comes to that. But when you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our clients just don't know. We're, right. They have, really don't know what we're doing. So this has been very, that's very educational. Um, but I guess another question, what... You're, you're, you seem very passionate about it, but what what continues to motivate you to work in this area? Because I feel like this can be, at least I think it could be stressful at times and intense and dealing with the public. Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, you know, what makes you get up and, and why well, do you do it? I think I'm reminded of the importance of this issue every year during hurricane season. And so if you have ever had the opportunity to go to a part of our state that is just fresh on the heels of being impacted by a, by a hurricane. It is a sobering experience to see, and we, and we experienced here in 2016 with the floods, um, to see someone's life completely turned upside down because of a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can still remember in Hurricane Isaac just the smell of... The, the decay, just the smell of water being in people's homes, and just the, the conversations that I've had with moms and dads looking at the faces of, of kids, and I know I'm getting kind of sentimental here, but it is it is something that sticks with you for forever. Um, and so knowing that there are existing federal authorizations for projects that will keep water out of people's homes. And these projects are not yet implemented. They're not fully constructed. Number one, frustrates the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say that. You can that say that. It's okay. We've had worse. Louisiana Ladies Podcast. <laughs> um, but it's also something that just it motivates me because I know we can do better. And I know that we can protect the overwhelming majority of people to keep water out of people's homes. It seems so... Overly simplistic, yeah, um, but yet so complicated. Um, because when you're talking about, if you remember the National Weather Service talking about an unsurvivable storm surge for Hurricane Laura and Delta, I'd never heard that term. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute, unsurvivable. And so, you know, if you think about 18 feet of water being in somebody's home, that is that's a daunting thought. Um, and just. Knowing the unique cultural heritage, the way of life we have here. I mean, just think about South Louisiana for a second. I mean, just how much fun we have. How awesome is it to live in the state of Louisiana? Absolutely. And so just knowing what a unique place this is, how special of a place it is, and how vulnerable we continue to be from storms, from hurricanes, um, is what really, I think, makes me get up and go to work every day. So. Wow. I love that. You can get as sentimental as you want on Louisiana Lake <laughs> and say whatever you want. So, um, okay, so all of that being said, let's talk a little bit about personal life. Okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> now we're about to get down to dirty here. Yeah, so let's talk about, um, I hear there's a story with Madeline Moves. <laughs> Do share. Well, let's let's start with, with COVID. So during during when we were at the height of quarantine, I... 
I experienced what we'll just call the COVID-15, you know, kind of like the freshman 15 when you go to college and you go to bogeys five nights a week. Yeah, and and eat some Taco Bell at 3 a.m. Yeah, you go to Jack in the Box or whatever. (laughs) So during COVID, I got this fascination or took a liking to Bloody Mary's. Oh, okay. Like what you drink so just, in the just, morning? Just, just stay with me here. Yes, but I was drinking Bloody Marys. I shouldn't even say this as a government employee, but I was drinking Bloody Marys like at nine o'clock at night. And so when you have this much sodium flowing through your veins, you know, during all the time amount of time we were, and I, this was not all day long, of course, but um, you know, you have that much sodium and that much. Sometimes alcohol flowing through through your veins. Of course, you're gonna your body is not gonna respond to you in a, in, a, in a positive way. So I had gained a little bit of weight, and I generally think of myself as being a guy who was in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but Emily had started doing this Madeline moves thing on her phone, and she wakes up at four o'clock in the morning, and I could hear her in the in the in the playroom just you know jumping up and down off the coffee table. I'm like, what is going on in my house? <laughs> But I could tell that it was it was making a difference. So, I mean, she looks she looks great. She's the fittest she's ever been. So I just said, you know what? The new year, I'm gonna start doing Madeline moves, okay, with my wife. Here I am on a Louisiana Ladies podcast <laughs> talking about my wife doing this this uh, Madeline moves. Play. So my first day of doing this program, like y'all, I kid y'all not, I was literally laid out on my living room rug like a walrus like because like gasping for oxygen like could not breathe was like someone could somebody please give me an oxygen mask because i couldn't do it I but you were do doing the tighter together challenge well i don't even know what i, I don't even I know, know it was because emily texted me and was like i think jim but, was having a hard but time. emily's over there with her airpods in just like a walk in the park and i'm over here just Dying. like can somebody please come over here resuscitate, resuscitate me, me. <laughs> so i did it i stuck with it for i guess i don't know probably two to three weeks and then finally i was like can't do it. Like, so, so were you getting up early with her, and had you not normally? Do you not normally I get normally up early? I normally do not get up early. I do I, now. I get up every morning at four o'clock. Oh, so I go to Orange Theory. I've seen Fitness. you there before. Okay, so I um, I just have to have someone that is yelling and screaming at me, telling me this is what you're going to do, this is how you're going to do it, and this is when you're going to do it. Yeah. Um. So I'm just I'm just much better wired for that rather than looking at. This incredibly fit woman that is yes. doing all of these overly difficult exercises and doing it with ease, and then looking at my wife across the room who is having no problems doing these things, and I am like, you know, just completely out of shape. My wife is completely showing me up every morning, and it was just completely demoralizing. Yeah, I was say, confidence cruncher every day. So, just for the audience, really quick, I have talked about Madeline Moves before, and so this is an app, and it's a workout app, and Madeline is an Instagram influencer, and I mean, it's it's great. But I'll tell you this: so my husband Patrick, you know, I've always been like, hey. So I did Orange Theory for four years, and I I got a little burned out. You know, I was going at one point, I was going like six days a week. I mean, no, that's, that's ridiculous. That's me now. Yeah. So you do you, Chip, but I just got tired of it. So anyway, so I always used to ask my husband because he doesn't really like to work out. Mm-hmm. Do you like to work out? Uh, I wouldn't say I like to, but I just, uh, I like the way it makes me feel okay. after uh, I work out. So my husband's kind of the same, but he's not quite as motivated to work out. I love you, Patrick, but you know that you do not work like to work out. So I always used to say, just come to Orange Theory. They just tell you mm-hmm. what to do. And he yeah. never would do it. He was like, because all you're going to do is make fun of me. You're going to show me up and you're going to like run really fast on the track. Well, do you do you critique Patrick? 
I because probably, I got my form <laughs> critiqued on a deadlift because I was not using my hams and my glutes enough. And she was like, ooh, babe. Like, mm. I'm like, I, I can't deal with you. Yeah. I mean, it's 4 o'clock in the morning and you're critiquing me while I'm trying to, you know, self-improve <laughs> yeah. here. And So I would probably not intentionally critique, but it would come out <laughs> of my mouth. Because I also give people, like, unsolicited advice mm-hmm. all the time, right? Like, they... They come and ask me a problem, and then I try to fix... I'm like, I'm kind of like a dude. Like, I try to fix their problem a lot, and then I'm like, sorry. But, um, so, okay, so Madeline moves three weeks, but tighter together. The tighter together challenge is something she does a couple of times a year. It's it's pretty intense. Yes, you know, you um, had to be resuscitated. Uh, well, yes, I had to be resuscitated. I felt like I was incoherent half the time I was I was doing it, but... Oh, okay. man, I'm surprised if, you made it If, if you say so, I'll, I'll take you at your Okay. Way. But, um... <laughs> Anyway, um, if anybody out there wants to get in shape, Madeline Moves is a great way to do it. It is, and it's at home, and it's very affordable. Orange Theory is also amazing. Like, I had a really good experience there. I just ended up, and I've talked about this before, um, time is not necessarily on my side. Mm-hmm. And, like, I already don't sleep very well, Chip, so sometimes I'm up at 3.30, and I manage to go back to sleep at 4.30. And so waking up at 4 is very daunting to yeah. me, even yeah. if I'm already awake for some reason. So... Um, okay, so speaking of that, so you and Emily have two kids. Two kids. A little girl. She's, I say a little girl. I know, she's uh, not. Sydney is our, our daughter who just made 13 years old. Yeah. Which, so I remember her as a baby because Emily brought her to yeah. SJA. Yeah. I mean, just the old. fact that she's like, in and of itself is just like, that's not possible. And she's still like the sweetest child. Like, she's 13. She doesn't give us any sass yet. Um, but it's like all of a sudden she has just said, you know what? I'm going to be a grown woman Mm. and I'm going to do my own little thing. She stays in her room a lot. She does come out and talk to her, her mom and me every once in a while, but it's just amazing. Like people always say, oh, it goes by so fast. It's like a blink of an eye. And I'm, and I never, and I always just kind of like roll my eyes, laugh that off. Like it is, that is the God's honest truth. Like it goes by so damn fast. It's ridiculous. So we have Sydney who's 13. 13. Uh, who's in seventh grade at Our Lady of Mercy. And then we have Henry, who is nine. He'll be 10 on May 2nd. And there has never been in the history of the world two kids that are more opposite <laughs> ever. Oh, really? Yes. So what's Henry like? Well, Henry's like a little terrorist. Um, he is um, he is our, our funny kid. Okay. And I say a terrorist, but he's in a good way. He's just like this mischievous little... Like, he's just like me. Like, my mom says, like, I am loving watching this kid, and I am loving watching you raise him because he is just like you. But he is the most hard-headed, strong-willed kid. And there's something to be said about being strong-willed. That's a good thing. But this kid is one that will be like, Henry, you are not leaving the table until you finish your supper. Henry Klein will sit at the dinner table until 3 in the morning. I'm not eating it. Like he stubborn, stubborn. And so, you know, everybody has their different forms of discipline. We, we have ours in in the client house, but nothing, no form of discipline works on this, on this kid. So he's my little buddy, Henry Klein. He's just like me, but, um, he is, um, they're just completely different. (laughs) They're just completely different. And so he is, he is the child that's absolutely going to keep us on our toes and, um, keeps the, the gray hair. Well, and I, I can't wait to see what, you know, somebody like that, it, I mean, is he going to be an attorney? Is he going to be yeah. a president? He wants to be an architect. Oh, an architect. Yes. Okay. He's, he, well, he's debating right now between a police officer and an architect. Oh. Okay, so, look at that. It's good, good to have options. Right? I'm, 
So he's the same age as my nephew who actually is turning 10 today. I don't think Major has ever said what he wants to be. Maybe I just haven't asked him. Maybe I should ask him at 10 years old what he's thinking, you know. So, um, okay. So back a little bit on the work thing. I guess if somebody is thinking about doing this, what Mm -hmm. you do, getting into public service, and I'm saying it very generally. I hope I'm not saying that correctly. But, I mean, what advice do you have? Well, so, I mean, there's different routes that you can take. Obviously, I took the route I did and was working on Capitol Hill on the policy route, more on the the legal and policy and the kind of the legislative route. Um, But there are, the the cool thing about this is, is that there are all these different degree programs that are now popping up in various Louisiana universities from coastal sciences to coastal engineering. Um, So they're, they're, Universities are really developing curriculum around the work that we do within CPRA, which is which is a really fascinating thing. So we do a, we're doing a lot of partnering and coordination, collaboration with Louisiana universities to make sure that they are taking or educating, I think, the youth of this state in a way that when they get out of college, that they have the right tools, the right mindset, the right education to hit the ground running on helping us plan some of these large-scale projects, helping us engineer and design some of them, helping us construct some of these projects. And then once you construct a lot of these hurricane protection systems, you have to operate and maintain them. Um, and so there's a whole there's a whole host of different degree programs, particularly on the science and engineering side of the shop, um, that particularly LSU, Nichols, UNO, and probably ULL. Are the probably the, the biggest ones that are focused. So, on if somebody's that. interested, then mm-hmm. nowadays, it you know, go, finding a degree program at a university probably isn't as challenging as maybe when you were there because it sounds. No. Like, or did they have that? They did not. Okay. I mean, we, we didn't even have this. The agency stood up. Okay. And before I started working there, and I say before, I mean there was there was always a focus. It actually started under Governor Foster who just said, I think we really need to start paying attention to this issue. But it really, state government wasn't structured in a way that, you know, we've got a a master plan. We've got a staff of about 180 people. We've got three regional offices. Um, So I don't don't think it was really solidified in a way that it is is now. I will say to anybody that's that's listening, if you have a high school student, um, the internships, we do summer internships at CPRA. Um, you may have seen the big Mississippi River model that's housed right next door to um, our CPRA office on the water campus. You know, the big fancy building that's on the Mississippi River levee when you're coming over the, um, the bridge, the Mississippi River mm-hmm. Bridge. So that's where our offices are. It's called the Water Campus. And so we usually have about seven, eight interns, uh, internships every summer where we just embed people within every division within our agency and then we rotate them. So okay. they get a planning experience, they get a project management experience, they get an engineering kind of experience. But I think what they really enjoy is really going out on the coast on an airboat or, you know, getting in a helicopter flying over and some of the seeing some of these these wetlands, some of these marsh areas, and then some of these large-scale levees and protection systems. So. so, you know, when you're looking for, I'm just kind of trying to, so accountants, we're pretty good at math. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I was yeah. a math teacher, and no, not, okay. not you, okay. Nothing. So, you know, I guess what what is like some of the skill sets that you guys are looking for if you're hiring or just in general? I feel like you have to have thick skin. You do. Well, you do. <laughs> and like be composed. That's a timely comment because I had to go down to Plaquemines Parish Council meeting last Thursday and it was it was an intense discussion. Okay. And so, you know, sometimes when the facts aren't on your side, you just kind of twist the facts or maybe even start firing 
insults. So you gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta have thick. And I was not the one firing insults. Um, it was the other way around. But so I think you, yes, you have to have thick skin. Um, these these projects that we're talking about, they're very complicated. So detail oriented, kind of from an organization standpoint, kind of a, a long-term thinker. So there's a lot of focus on the here and now, what needs to happen now, but being able to kind of think into the future, staying three or four steps ahead of the present moment, thinking about um, the ramifications of if you if you do X, then what happens on, you know, what happens with Y. Um, so I just think being able to juggle multiple projects at a time, kind of multitasking, but also um, detail-oriented, long-term thinker mm-hmm. uh, with a short-term sense of urgency mm-hmm. um, is really kind of the, the skill sets that we that we look for. We look for some of those, too. Yeah. Maybe not that long-term, though, like not 10 years long-term. And as you were talking earlier, and I'm trying to absorb all this information, Maggie and I were like... Our mind was blown yesterday by all the stuff that we had to do. But now I'm like, that's nothing compared to what you have to do. So thank you for putting it in perspective for Maggie and myself, Jeff, really puts it puts well, it in perspective. I may have just confused the hell out of y'all. I don't know. But it's, you know, a lot that of people look at this intriguing. and they're like, what? I'm like, wait a minute. Like, if you do all this. And I think one of the questions you asked at the beginning, what's a typical day yeah. for me? I don't know there, if that actually There is not, there is not a typical that. day. We actually just interviewed somebody. We have a policy assistant. Uh, position open and they asked that question during the interview what is your typical day and I'm like there is not a typical day come take a walk with me Uh, and so I I literally went through my schedule and they were like wait a minute like you there's so many different facets of the organization um, that I think people just don't don't appreciate and so and that's what makes it such a fun issue I say fun um but there's never a typical day within the coastal program. Yeah, and it sounds challenging, and I feel mm-hmm. like you're up to the challenge, you know. Well, thank you. You're never bored. I'm I'm never <laughs> bored. There's never a dull moment at work, and never a dull moment in the clown house. This is a 50 year program. What year are you in? So the first the first coastal master plan was developed in 2007. Okay. So if you remember, we did all the, the reformation, the restructuring after Katrina, which was in 2005. The first plan was developed in 2007. The law requires that we update the plan every five years. Okay. And so what's great about that is, is that science evolves, engineering evolves. So by updating it every five years, you're incorporating the, the best available data, the best available science into the plan which ultimately drives all of the projects that we're going to be implementing. Is there anything that we should be doing to help your effort as just... Maggie, good question. As just a day-to-day... I'm still absorbing everything. Well, I I mean, can you get involved? (laughs) Yes, you you can get involved. There are multiple ways to get involved. But, you know, there are a lot of restaurants here in in Baton Rouge. Uh, Sammy's Grill used to do it. Mike Anderson's is starting to do it. We're we're actually partnering with... um, Drago's, the uh, little oyster yeah. place right off of I-10. And so all of the, the leftover oyster shells um, that are left over from people getting charcoal oysters, oysters or raw oysters so or whatever, good. all of those things can be um, shipped back to the coast. And, I mean, those are adorable. You actually see oyster shells like sometimes in people's driveways and things where cars are running over them and things. So, I mean... All there's so much partnership opportunities with with local restaurants. There's so many associations like Coalition to Restore Coastal Louisiana, Restore Retreat, 
CCA, which is kind of more focused on the fishery side of the shop. There's so many kind of nonprofits and advocacy groups that you can become members of. And then there's service projects that all of those organizations do across coastal Louisiana from doing vegetative plantings to picking up litter um, to doing fishing tournaments and things like that, just raising the awareness of the issue. Because I think when people think about state government, they think, okay, healthcare, economic development, mm-hmm. education, maybe roads and bridges, infrastructure. They don't really think about hurricane protection and coastal restoration. Which is interesting since we have hurricanes it is. every year. And so I think that every year, I think, you know, probably from during the summer months, during hurricane season, people start to focus on it. But what we remind people is, is that while there are countless priorities for state government, all the things that I just mentioned, roads, bridges, healthcare, education, all of those things are important. All of those things deserve our attention. But those things are worth nothing if they're underwater. I was about to say, they don't have a ground. If they don't have ground. And so that's why this issue, I think, is why you've seen Governor Jindal, even going back to Governor Blanco, Governor Blanco, Governor Jindal, and now Governor Edwards have repeatedly more so and more so every new governor has made this issue more and more of a priority. Uh, And that's exactly what it should be, a priority. It should be. Absolutely. All righty. Well, that was very intriguing. That's an intriguing (laughs) guest, I feel like. Um, I also, again, need to go read a book and educate myself on some of this. So, Thank you so much for being here. We end our guests with um, some FAQs, which is not frequently asked questions. It's oh, okay. five awesome questions. Five awesome questions. <laughs> Whether they're awesome or not, I don't know. I was just trying to find something snazzy. Okay. Jeff. All right. These are very easy. Okay. okay. All right. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Oh, my goodness. I, <laughs> I love asking these questions. This is a great <laughs> idea. It's easier than they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I does wish it, I, does I it wish depend I, on the day? I wish I could give you a simple answer to this. If if I can get my behind out of the bed, I'm a morning person. Okay. Um, but I'm but I'm also kind of a night owl. I'm one of these guys like at nine o'clock. I think okay, I'm gonna go clean the bathroom. You get your second like, wind. Look, why am I doing this at nine o'clock mm-hmm. at night? Kind of thing. So maybe I don't know. Depending on the day, but I, I'll land on this. If I can get up in the morning, get out of bed, I'll go with morning person. Okay. All right. Would you say you're an introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Okay. Sometimes too much, so. Me too. Um, <laughs> what would you think? What would you say Emily is? Is she an introvert or an extrovert? Emily. Emily is perfect. Oh, oh my God! That's the sweetest thing, Patrick. You didn't say no. that when you were on. <laughs> I, I, I think Emily. I, I really. She's really in between. Yeah. I think she's kind of really balanced. I think she knows when to be an extrovert and knows when to be. Right. An so and me, I think that's something to be said about someone who has self-awareness. Right. I don't, again, I don't know you well, but if you say that you're sometimes too much of an extrovert, I don't think you and I know when we need to be an introvert. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right? That's exactly like, right. Because I'm like, right. clearly everybody wants my energy all that's the time, right? right? Everything you got. Right. Okay. All days of the week. <laughs> all the time. I, I wear my team out, I'm sure. So, um, would you rather run or ride a bike? Run. Okay. Are you a fast runner? Um, well, I ran cross country in high school. Okay. Um, not really. I'm more of a distance runner. Okay. Um, I mean, I got long arms and legs. I'm built like an orangutan. It just, <laughs> you are it, quite it, tall. It, it, it takes a lot to get these arms and legs moving, but once they do get moving, I feel like they can. You last got a rhythm. A long time. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So a little bit more endurance than speed. How about that? <laughs> okay. So, would you rather cook or order out? Oh, 100% order out. I just cannot cook. You I can't just cook. cannot do it. Neither. I've tried. <laughs> I did boil crawfish the other night, and it was really good. They turned okay. out great. Okay. But 
I just... Does cooking overwhelm you? It stresses me out. It stresses my husband out, too. And here's why. Because Emily's dad and brother are phenomenal cooks. Mm. I mean, like, even her mom. Oh, like, God. It is, it is crazy that's, how good that's they That's intimidating. Cook. And so anytime you go over there, it is it is prime time eating. Yeah. And I just I just cannot deliver on that front. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, babe, let's order superior fajitas and put them in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> like it's One time, I got to tell a story about my husband really quick, and he's... He keeps telling me not to talk about him that much, but sorry, you're married to me. So, um, I, it was during our busy season, you know, so we're pretty Mm -hmm. busy historically at the beginning of the year. And especially when you kind of first start, you're really trying to like prove yourself in this, um, industry. So I ordered HelloFresh, you know, because it's got the recipe Mm -hmm. and it's got all the ingredients and it Mm -hmm. was like, Hey, Patrick, this is for you to help out. Okay. So, so just envision, I just, it's kind of hard to envision, but I get home one night, it's like 6 30, and it's just me and him. Okay. We don't have children. The kitchen is a disaster. All right. I mean, there are pots and pans everywhere, and he looks at me so stressed out, and he goes, I am in the weeds. <laughs> I was like, All right. That was that. Fail oh on that experience. Do, do you and Patrick have an agreement? Like, if if you cook, he cleans. Absolutely. He cooks, you clean, kind of thing. So he never cooks, so he always cleans. And he's a he's the cleaner of the two of us. See, sometimes, truthfully. well, Emily does most of the cooking in our house, but sometimes I think she like purposefully like I'm going to make this kitchen a complete disaster. <laughs> Patrick would say the same thing about me. And I'm like, babe, say- you made like a grilled cheese, and it looks like <laughs> yeah. why they're 19 pots. Yeah, it's like, and so last night was prime example. She's like, yeah, I'm going to bed, and I look at the kitchen, and I'm like. What the, what the hell is that? Um, that is something they didn't tell us about adulthood, that we were just going to be cleaning our kitchens nonstop. Nonstop. Patrick really does. I will tell you, he cleans the kitchen nonstop, but he does so much better than me. I am more like, okay, this can all go in the dishwasher and I'll like wipe this counter. I come, I will, I got to give him props. I come out every morning and the kitchen is like, I mean, it is pristine. See? See, know your strengths. I can clean a kitchen and clean a house like you would not believe. Yeah, he's the, he's the cleaner. So. I'm, I never, so I don't claim to be like the most organized person. He's always like, could you just put your shoes in the closet? And I'm like, but I'm going to wear them in like two days. What's the point? You know, See, so. We, we could talk another two hours. On this <laughs> we'll have to have you back. Uh, please. So anyway, but thank you so much, Chip. I know that your schedule is very busy and hectic and we really appreciate you coming well, this was on the fun. podcast. I enjoyed this a whole lot. It was, it was good to kind of. Break up your day a, break. a little bit. Yeah. Break up your day a little reflect bit. reflect on the D.C. journey, living in Clinton, and, you know, how I got where I am today. And life is good. It's good to have people like you that are that are doing these kind of things. Um, I just think it says a lot about, you know, one of the things we always tell people at CPRA is look for a way every single day to make a difference in your community. Too many people look for, like, these grand, grandiose ideas that they've got to be huge ideas to make a difference in your community. But if you just do small things with... As Mother Teresa said, small things with great joy, you can make a difference. Yeah. And y'all made me laugh here, so you bring a lot of great joy. You made us laugh, too. It's it's, um, a lot of fun, so thank y'all for having me. Well, thanks, and thanks to all of our listeners, and uh, we will see y'all next time. Okay, so that was really awesome to talk to Chip, and now we're going to talk about the things that make us happy. Things that make us happy. So I will tell you, at the beach, I... Wasn't feeling that great one day, and it was, I did not consume that much alcohol. I just, I actually, the day that it was raining in the morning, but cleared up, it was very humid outside. And so, but I went to this little like 
patio, for lack of better words. And I did a workout. So I was like drenched in sweat because it was humid. And I just felt off. And I decided to drink me a liquid IV. And I mean, within an hour, I felt like a new person. It's magic stuff. It really is good. But you have to drink it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'll pour it in there and then I'll drink like a couple of sips. And then I end up, I think you need to drink it within a certain amount of time. What flavor do you drink? It was strawberry. Mm, that's a good one. And the certain amount of time thing is not on the package. I just find that when I drink it within like 15 or 30 minutes, You're I can feel, feel it effects. better. Yeah. If I just sip on it in the, over the afternoon, I'm not going to necessarily feel the effects. So that's my product. Your hot take. Recommendation <laughs> of the day. IV. <laughs> and Maggie, what about you? Well, I'm sitting here while we're recording and it's storming outside. Yeah. But this weekend we had some beautiful weather and I don't know. I'm just, I love it when it's sunny. And I say I love the fall and everything, but I think this time of year might actually be my favorite because the days are longer, we have more sunshine, and even though it's rainy, we have some really, really nice days mixed in. So that's what makes me happy. And I I love pretty weather. Like, that puts a pep in my step like no other. My mom says we're sun worshipers. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're like, I'm like very, my mood is very affected. Very affected by the weather outside. No, me too. I think we need a vitamin D lamp. Maybe. So, anyway. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Um, Hope everybody has a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye.